Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Uh, um, I have so many thoughts, which I went to go see with my granny, and I did not realize it was a hard R. I mean, it's not a hard R, but it's like a medium R. I'm going to say language is yes. a hard R. Oh, after the first, like, F-bomb, my granny went, oh. And it's like coming from Gossip Girl, Blake Lively's mouth. So it took me a minute to adjust yeah. to who, to what was happening. Is Blake Lively a good actress? Yes or no? <laughs> um, you know, I compared, I said, like, after I saw the movie, I said, I was like, she reminds me of a Himalayan salt lamp. I feel like if I just lick her, I'll be healed. <laughs> like, in like a, in like a, like the way you lick a Himalayan salt lamp, not a person. Um, okay, weirdly, I get that. Yeah. Because she's so beautiful. Right. But acting-wise, I'm not sure. I just can't, I truly can't tell. That was a genuine question. I don't know. Yeah. Is Anna Kendrick a good actress? I think so. But it's only be like I I've watched her in so many things now that I feel like I have like a good like idea of I don't think she's like a great actress, but I think she's a good solid actress. Chris and I were talking about this. I hope we were talking about it off air or this is gonna be redundant for people. But I think he said she's good at what she does. Mm-hmm. And I think that's accurate. Yeah. She's good at what she does. But I do feel like this was a different role for her. Yeah. Like, I think she still played it similarly, but, like, I felt like... It was hard to believe her as a mom. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know no, why. Yeah. Also, you and I have seen Bad Moms. We saw it together. Mm-hmm. I felt like partly this movie wanted to be Bad Moms. Yeah. And then partly... Like, Gone Girl. Yeah. had, like, a Gone Girl. <laughs> so weird. Which, like, what's so bad is, is my granny, halfway through the movie, she goes, oh, I didn't seen this. And I said, what do you mean? She goes... It, um, if this is like, it's like Lifetime. There's like four or five of them, and I was. Like, it was exactly it, like a Lifetime movie. Yeah. And, and as someone who enjoys Lifetime yes. films, I feel like I can say that. But that's what I felt like. I had gone to the theater to see a Lifetime movie. Spent money. Yes. Life, yes. I did. Yeah. Jordan, we left the movie theater. Because let's be clear. Now this week, as we're recording, A Star Is Born is coming out. But otherwise, like we had kind of a. A, a drought, yeah. Yes. So Jordan and I were trying to figure out what movie to go see, and we decided to go see this one. And we left the theater, <laughs> and Jordan was like, that was so weird. Mm-hmm. And I agreed, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. But also scary, suspenseful, but yeah. also Mean girls Yes. There's even a scene at the end that I was like, this is ripped from Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, I like that guy. Is his name Andrew... Reynolds? Wait, Reynolds? which one? The guy is... that's like from Crazy Rich Asians? Or no, no, I love him. Oh, yeah. Henry Golding. Yeah, him. Mm. I think he's on his way. I think he's on his way up. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the guy from, I think he was in Book of Mormon on Broadway. Yes, the, the, the guy who was like one of the parents. Yes. Yes. He is always funny to yeah, me. He is funny. Um, I loved Linda uh, Cardellink. Yes. Card- yeah. Her random role. Yes. I was like, okay, good to see you again. Yeah. Um, and then... Blake Lively, what she would look like if she were one of us and and hard and lived hard. Yes. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so Blake Lively is beautiful, but could right, but might not be right in other circumstances. Well, and all I'm gonna say is that painting, like, too, also too much. Yes. We did not need that. That painting became a gag, a sight gag, yes. and that's fine. But but also became quite literally a sight gag. I was yes. like, please stop. I've seen I this over- painting. Enough. I was overwhelmed. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fine. This is not an endorsement. No.
Welcome to episode 192 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. We're back with a love it or loathe it, <laughs> only we are but two. Yes. We are but two. Um, our friend Emily had to, had to leave us, but just because she doesn't feel good. She doesn't feel well. And life as an entrepreneur is hard, y'all. That was a good, because she had to leave us. Like <laughs> she texted us this week, and she's not feeling well. We have thoughts on this book. Um, it wasn't the easiest book, perhaps, for this task. Mm-hmm. And so, Emily, we miss you, but we understand, as I said, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. Heart. <laughs> so, uh, it is um, me, Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, joined, as usual, by Love It or Loathe It guest and co-host. Hunter, who blogs at shelfbyshelf.com and can also be found on Shelf by Shelf at, in- at Shelf by Shelf on Instagram. That was beautiful. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. That was good. Super professional. <laughs> um, we are here for Love It or Loathe It to chat about... Rebecca. Rebecca. Like, I listened to the audiobook, and now all I can hear is, and all I can think of was her name, Rebecca. <laughs> I cannot. First of all, I am stunned that you listened to an audiobook. It was hard. Was this your first audiobook experience? My first, well, I have, I've listened to audiobooks before, but this is the first time I've listened from beginning to end, and it's only because I wasn't sure if I wanted to own it or not yet, so I was like, let me listen. And I would buy it now, but it's just so funny because, like... I feel like I would have enjoyed this book a lot. Like, I enjoy... I, like, I, I'll get into, like, what I thought about it, but I do feel like my thoughts on this book would be really different if I hadn't listened to this woman, t- like, <laughs> reading it. Because she, it was this very, like, proper, like, Queen's English kind of, like, thing. And, it, like, all I heard for, like, 14 hours was, everyone here lived at Mandalay. I loved going to Mandalay. And she does say Mandalay. A lot! So many and times. And when I read the little sample, all I kept saying was Mandalay. Oh. And... Yeah. My southern accent is not favorable to this. And I think it would be soothing to have a British woman say Mandalay, mm-hmm. but multiple times. With the the extent <laughs> with which that word is used in this it's book. It's excessive. It, between that and Rebecca, yes. I would like to see the word count. Yeah. On like how, what percentage of the words are Rebecca and Mandalay. This would have been like a, a third less of a book if they had cut out yes. half the use. That's what I think. Yes. Um, so it's funny... I don't know how you did an audiobook of this. I'm going to be honest with you. I picked this up, mm-hmm. and I have a confession to make. This is you're gonna you're gonna die, because I did. So last week on literary lunch break, which I did for like long distance customers of the bookshelf, mm-hmm. I talked about my list of titles I was looking forward to this fall, mm-hmm. and one of them is this book. And now I'm concerned, but I think it's just called The Winters. Now I'm afraid it's called Mrs. Winter. Um, but I think it's called The Winters, and it comes out, let's see, I just want to, I'm going to lie, yeah, it's The Winters, it's mm-hmm. by Lisa Gabrielle, and it comes out oct- in October, so mm-hmm. I think I think the same week this episode is going to go live. So I talked about it. Mm-hmm. Hunter, I blame you, which is that I didn't really read the blurb on the back, like I skimmed it, but I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, while I was talking on literary, literary lunch break, I convinced myself to read that book next. So I went home and read this thrilling suspense novel that I adored mm-hmm. called The Winters. I haven't even posted about it to Instagram yet, but I think I'm going to give it like four stars. Mm-hmm. Well, 24 to 48 hours later, I picked up Rebecca, <laughs> and I start reading, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? 
And then I read the back because, again, I'm trying your trick. Like, right. not, I'm going in blind. Mm-hmm. And I look, Mrs. Maxim de Winter. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Hunter, I read the modern retelling of Stop. Rebecca before I read Rebecca. Oh my gosh. I felt like such an idiot. And now I've had to read these two books back, back to, to back, back, which do not I do not recommend for anyone. No. <laughs> don't do that, you guys. Don't. don't wh- and I don't care which one you read first. Mm-hmm. Just don't read them back to back because it's the same plot. Right. So I started this classic 1930s <laughs> novel after reading the modern retelling, which I loved. Mm-hmm. But I basically then knew the entire plot. So this yeah. felt redundant mm-hmm. through no fault of its own. Right. So... Mistakes were made. Yeah, which oh, what an idiot. Don't worry because I I read um, the death of Mrs. Westaway okay. by Ruth Ware, and that has a lot of Rebecca esque. You type. can for sure see how Daphne du Maurier has had an influence on modern suspense. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay, for those unfamiliar, although people voted on this, people have strong, passionate feelings about this book. Yes. But go ahead and give us a brief synopsis of this okay. title. Um, okay. Just, oh, gosh. This is a hard... I didn't even think about this. It's about this um, unnamed... Like, we just know her as the second Mrs. DeWinta. <laughs> and um, which she she meets, like, uh, Maxim uh, DeWinter, and they get married... And then it's kind of about her life after they get married and then kind of like, and how this, the ghost of Rebecca, not like literally is haunting her, but it's kind of like haunting her from like an emotional standpoint, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Which again, the exact plot of The Winters by Lisa Gabriel. I want to read that now. Uh, Well, and I want to know how many sweet listeners and long distance customers were listening to me describe that book, literally called the last name of the characters in this book Mm -hmm. and listening going, poor Annie, she doesn't know. That's just a retelling of Rebecca. Um, Yeah. I think we can see some gone girl esque um, theme, like some of that. I don't want to say unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. because I did not find this narrator to be unreliable. Right. The things happening to her, it feels like she's seeing them through a certain lens. You know, let me just say like, Without my, like, thoughts about, like, this, like, my overall thoughts, I thought this was beautifully written. Yes. And that is something that, like, even listening, and I don't always get this, sometimes when I think a book is beautifully written, I only want to read it, I don't want to listen to it, because I want to see the words, but with this, it's funny because I could hear the music of the language Mm -hmm. in the, in that, and I just thought that was, and and it was amazing to, It was interesting to read this book. Yes, after the reading the modern adaptation, but also I think now I think you do a better job than I do. I think um, we generally read a lot of modern literature. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you do a better job, I think, of revisiting classics or going back in time and maybe mm-hmm. hitting things you didn't uh, get in high school. I don't always do a good job of that, partly because my job requires right. being on top of like what's new and modern. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has been a long time since I have read a classic like yeah. this. And again, coming off of a modern retelling. Mm-hmm. This is a slow burn. Oh, guys. Like slow, like like a snail slow. I literally kept looking at page numbers thinking, because, okay, when we read for Love It or Loathe It, I assess my feelings along the way. Mm-hmm. So at page 20, I was like, loathe, yes. loathe. 41. I, like, I literally have implanted <laughs> in my brain. 41, loathe, mm-hmm. loathe it, loathe it so much. Well, 120, okay, I like this. Yeah. 210, 
okay, I get this. Like, the writing, and part of the writing that's so beautiful is about Manderley. Right. It's this gorgeous nature writing. Mm -hmm. And again, you can see how Daphne du Maurier has influenced modern writers because Bitter Orange that I just finished, Tangerine, Mm -hmm. um... I was about to say, it's got that very... Gosh, especially Bitter Orange has Mm -hmm. this house that plays a huge role. Mm -hmm. Manderley is definitely a character (laughs) in this book. And you can see where modern writers have really been influenced by Mm -hmm. her. But, gosh, I think it's the classic language that just took me a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, And and honestly, it made me feel a little bit dumb. And here's what I mean. Like, it made me realize, uh uh-oh, I have not read something like this in a while. And and I... Mm -hmm. I read a lot of this kind of stuff in college and in high school, mm-hmm. um, so I'd like to think, I hope I'm not sounding like arrogant or anything, but I'd like to think I'm equipped yeah. for this type of language, but it took me, oof, it took me a while to feel like, okay, I like this. Yeah. It, it really did. And the whole time having the pressure of the masses, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> because, and it's not just our bookshelf or podcast listeners, Instagram followers, it's, I mean, in general, this book is beloved. Yeah. This book is part of, like, that Agatha Christie. Yes. Like, this, these names that you hear in literature, this book is kind of at the top. It's like it's like reading Jane Eyre. Like, yeah. I've never read which, Jane Eyre. Which I will say, yeah, no, that's one thing, though. It's so funny because, speaking of Jane Eyre, this has a lot of, like, similar similarities uh-huh. to Jane Eyre. And I was like, and which I, like, I, read, I read it when I was, like, nine, and I was like, I don't get this. But <laughs> I still remember certain feelings of it and a certain themes and that, it's very. It's funny you mentioned that one specifically. Jane Eyre is one of those books that comes up all the time on the podcast when we ask, when I do podcast interviews, like interview mm-hmm. style, and I'll ask, what's a classic you've never read but you wish you had? Jane Eyre comes up all the time, which makes me wonder, did anybody really read that book? <laughs> but but yes, like, yes. I, it, people did. Mm-hmm. It's one of those I have no desire to try. Like, I, it's so funny because I read White Star Gauze OC. I can't remember who that's by, but you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. Yes. And it's like it's like a prequel, I guess, about, about the woman in the attic. Yes. Which I was more compelled by that story than I was by Jane Eyre. Yeah. Do you think, so that's one thing, I think on the, this week's episode of the reading recap, Chris and I talked about the winters Mm -hmm. and I, did we? Now I don't, I don't know who I talk to books about or not. So, and Chris isn't going to edit this out and neither am I. So, so, but somebody, I talked Mm -hmm. to somebody about the winters and I talked about how I felt like I I could have been okay not reading Rebecca and only reading The Winters. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there are classic fans out there. No, you have to read the source material first. Or you have to at least mm-hmm. read the source material. If not first, you have to read it ultimately. Yeah. I'm glad to have read this. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you like the decision to have an unnamed narrator? Um, it's so funny. Okay, let me just... Like, it's so funny that you say that. Because I was thinking, I didn't realize um, right when I finished it, as I parked my car here, <laughs> I, like, did, like, a quick little, like, recap um, online just to make sure I, like, remember yes. everything. And I was, like, unnamed narrator. And then I was, like, oh, she has an unnamed narrator. Yeah. And. I think you don't realize it. I don't think I would have realized it except looking at the back of the book. Right. And they don't name her on the back of the book mm-hmm. either. Which I think, so the, there's an author's note in my edition. Mm-hmm. And um, Du Maurier said, you know, people have asked me that over the years. Mm-hmm. And she, in this author's note, said, I just didn't name her because I was lazy and couldn't come up with a name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you read this book through a feminist lens, you certainly think 
she's given no name for a reason. Yes, which that's another thing, too, is that this book, I feel like it's very hard to read right now. Yes. Because the entire time I was reading it, I was like, I, like, I was so disgusted by things that I probably, I probably wouldn't have honestly been disgusted by, like, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, because it's, it's a great suspense. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, super slow burn. Yes. Um, but you can definitely feel the tension building. Yes. Are we supposed to, and I'm not doing a spoiler free, like, this book has been out since the 30s, guys. Like, if you're like us and you haven't read it, go read it real yeah. quick. Uh, it ta- it does take a few days. Um, but I'm not going to do a spoiler-free. I I would like to ask, is Maxim de Winter somebody we are supposed to feel sorry for? Right. I'm like Because hard no. Like, like it's so funny because like, I was listening to it and then he's like, you know, and then like, spoiler alert, but he kills his her first wife. <laughs> and then she's like, oh no, but I love you. And then like, there's not even really a question about whether or not, like she doesn't even question if she loves him or not. It's just like... It almost makes her love him more. Right. Which I think there's something to be read into. Like, I think that's on yes. purpose. I think we're supposed to feel things about that. But it's not just... Aside from the murder, mm-hmm. aside from the murdering, um, he's much older than her. He's like twice her age. He's twice her age. I think what I had a real problem with is how he talks to her. Yes. So it's not even. I mean, obviously, as you read the book and you realize, oh, he he perhaps was violent toward his first wife. Mm-hmm. Like, but as you're reading, the way he talks to her or his moments of rage. Um, and I wondered, are we supposed to feel sorry for him because we find out Rebecca is a despicable person? Right. Um, because look, I also don't super feel sorry for Rebecca. Right. Oh, like, I hope that's okay to say. I don't feel sorry for her. Who mm-hmm. I feel sorry for is this unnamed narrator yes. who is the most passive wallflower of a woman. I, can, <laughs> I cannot. Which, I, I had think, a really hard time with her. I think Rebecca, it's so funny because like, if you, if we really want to get into like the, like I, I hadn't thought about it until this moment, but if we really wanted to get into this idea that like. Rebecca was like a feminist of her time, which I don't think she was because I think that she was just a really toxic person. Right. I would and I think we sometimes give people a pass for being toxic if mm-hmm. they're a feminist icon or something right. or if they're an icon of any movement. Right. And I'm not willing to give Rebecca a pass no. she, if what Maxim de Winter said about her is it's true, true which, which we're left kind of not knowing. Right. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, talk to me about Mrs. Danvers. Okay, so, like, it's so funny, because, like, the entire time I was reading this, I was thinking, like, I was like, I've read this book before, because The Death of Mrs. Westaway has a Mrs. Danvers character, who is literally a carbon copy, Okay. Um, and the whole time I was like, oh, I know which kind of person you're going to (laughs) be, and um, I felt bad for her to some degree, just because I was like, man, like, you were like, you really cared about this person, and you only saw the best in this person, Rebecca, like, you know, like, you, like... Do you think they were in love? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I definitely got some, like, kind of sapphic vibes yeah. from, like, Mrs. Danvers. But, like, and even the way they just kind of described her, like, I felt like that was very, like, intentional. Um, well, in the way she openly, there's a scene towards the end mm-hmm. where... She didn't care about any man. Rebecca didn't. Right. Where she says, Rebecca didn't care about any man. She mm-hmm. laughed at all of you. But it's not only that, it, it, it's a very tense scene. Because I'll give mm-hmm. Du Maurier credit. As slow as that 40, 60, <laughs> yes. 80 pages were... Mm-hmm. Toward the end, you're flying through, and things are happening in rooms at Manderley that your mind is kind of being blown. So I I definitely think she's earned, she earned that. Yes. Um, But Mrs. Danvers says, not only did Rebecca hate men and she laughed at Mm -hmm. them when they left, 
But she kind of has this emotional outburst that we don't see from her at any other point. Yeah. Because she's kind of found out the truth or, or a part of the truth mm-hmm. of what happened to Rebecca. And that, you know, the whole time I thought, oh, maybe she just genuinely loved her. Like, yeah. just genuinely, for whatever reason, maybe had been with her for so long mm-hmm. as, as a maid that she just adored her. Yeah. But that scene made me wonder, did she love her more than I than I originally thought. Was there a relationship there that right. I didn't didn't know about? So I, I definitely got that vibe, and I don't know if that's my modern reading of it. But no, I honestly think, you know, it's so funny, because I, I think that we, we like, limit ourselves to the exploration of possible, like, like, I, well, I don't want to, like, I don't want to say lesbian, because I, I feel like that's, like, like, that's, like, labeling somebody that we don't even know enough about. But, right. like, but I will say, I do think that um, there is a possibility, maybe not even, like, a sexual relationship, but, like, a a very intimate relationship yes. that was very blurred between friendship and more. Yes. Um, Certainly a deep love for her. Yes. And I do, th- yes. And I think that we, we don't always allow ourselves that because we're like, oh, it's a classic. But also, uh, the first cousin thing, I was like, if this can happen, I literally thought to myself, I was like, if this can happen in a classic, I'm pretty sure that the Miss Danvers Okay, so I had to wrap my brain around that because this book is written in the 1930s, mm-hmm. was written in the 1930s. One of my favorite books um, is by Louise May Alcott, and there's one is called Eight Cousins, and the second one is called Rose in Bloom. Mm-hmm. And Rose in Bloom, Rose, the, the this young woman, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's been years since I reread it, she falls in love with one of her cousins. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, even back when I read it as a kid, like, oh, second cousin, third cousin, whatever. Right. And that was olden times. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think even yeah. as a young reader, I was like, oh, sure, that's <laughs> fine. Um, but this felt, because 1930s felt more modern. Than, and a specified first cousin. Yeah. That was, that blew my mind. Yeah. Um, so there were some really modern, then when I read that Hitchcock, like, I think I also sometimes have a hard time um, putting something in its proper place in history. So, yes. like, those Louisa Malcott books are a lot older than mm-hmm. this. Um, you know, not huge amounts. But enough time yeah. where the cousin thing wasn't weird mm-hmm. in Louisa Malcott stories, but it did feel a little bit odd in yeah. this. Um, but I did not realize that Hitchcock did a movie version of mm-hmm. this. Also, gosh, again, just I feel like such a goob, but didn't realize she wrote the short story The Birds, which I've definitely read. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown, right? Oh my, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry to do that to you on air. <laughs> no, it's like, this is like real reaction, guys. Watch out. Um, okay, can we, I do want to talk a little bit more about the unnamed narrator, because did you find her to be as passive? Like, I had a hard time rooting for her. Oh, well, yeah. Like, it's so funny, because the whole time I was just thinking I was like could you please grow just a tiny bit of a backbone earlier on like yes. I think by the end like that she had her version of a backbone we, saw, still... um, we see it developing for mm-hmm. sure but it just she just was so passive and demure and yes. it felt like gosh are you ever going to stand up to Mrs. Danvers like didn't you realize didn't you the narrator realize Mrs. Danvers would respect you more if you would stand up to her a little bit more. Right. Like, Mrs. Danvers struck me as the kind of woman who would have respected this woman if she yes. had, like, been a little bit more, I don't know, proactive or... Yeah. Um, and, again, the way that Maxim talked to her, and we're supposed to believe that, like, he's this... And maybe we're not supposed to believe. Maybe this is why we're still talking about it, but... I kept wondering, are we supposed to be rooting for him as her husband and as her, the love of her life? Mm -hmm. Or is he a schmuck? Because he feels like a schmuck. Right. 
Um, and then the way that she just kind of takes it. And one minute she'll be like, I don't want to be with you. Your, your moods are too much for me. Mm -hmm. And then the next minute, oh, I love you. I love mm -hmm. you. I have always loved you. Like she just, and then I have to remind myself in this book, she's 21. Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So she's very young, um, alone in the world. Mm -hmm. Like there is no one else for her. Mm -hmm. So you, I think then when you start to look at her whole character, instead of just how she's in the house, where it just feels like, gosh, she is not her own person. But mm. then you think to yourself, well, she's not really had time to be her own person. Right. My favorite scenes of her, ironically, are when Maxim leaves the house. Mm -hmm. And she says in the book, I felt light for the first time. And she, like, runs through the woods and she plays with the dog. Yeah. And that made me feel like, oh, she's just a kid. Yeah. <laughs> she's just this, she's Which, just this young woman who has married this brute. Yeah. And that's one thing I think is so funny is that we think that even, even though um, this book takes – even though it was written in the 30s, we th I think that we like to pretend that 21 was a very mature age for the time. Yeah. And we're, like, we're, like, it doesn't matter what time period it was, is whatever, like, we're, we're always growing. We're, yeah. all, like, we're always growing. And, and, and 21, no matter when you look at it, is a young age. And young for the kind of responsibility she had just been given. Uh, yeah. So it's a young marriage. Mm -hmm. um, a she's quick married one A quick one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she's married to somebody twice her age. Mm -hmm. And then she's inherited the responsibility of this giant home. Mm -hmm. And the town wants her to throw parties. And, yeah. you know, it just feels absurd that this, this very passive person now all of a sudden has to be kind of responsible mm -hmm. for all of this. What did you think of... Um, Maxim's sister was her Beatrice. Beatrice? Yeah, did, what do you think of her? It's so funny because like she reminded me almost, almost of Go from um, Gone Girl, yeah. that person who like knows a little bit more than you think, and like yeah. and that she's like smarter than yeah. some of the other characters, and you kind of you know. I liked her. Yeah. I liked her a lot. I felt like she wasn't given a ton to do. Right. Um. But I. But I like her, and in the and in the new book out, she's given a little bit more to do, which I like. Her character is given I more to do. I read that now too. Like, yeah. Like, well, I highly recommend. I really do. Yeah. If I wish though, I had read them reversed. I wish I'd read Rebecca first and then the um, Winters. I wish I'd read Rebecca years ago because I, I think that this year was the worst year for me to read this because I read Social Creature, I'd read Tangerine, uh -huh. I'd read Death Mrs. Westaway, and like in this book is, like, and not to say that, it's so funny, because people are, like, it's a, people are really defensive of classics, and I understand mm -hmm. that, but I think one of the, the beauty, like, the, the great beauty of, like, modern literature is that we've learned from classics, and we learned what didn't, didn't work, Yeah. and I think that sometimes we can improve upon, like, the ideas. And I think there's still a lot in this that works, because yes. all the books you just named clearly draw gobs of inspiration right. from this novel yes. and from these characters. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny that in her author's note, she does say, I don't know why this one was popular. Like she wrote several things yeah. and she's like, I don't know why this is the one that stuck. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I do mm -hmm. because I read story, like you just said, I read stories like this all the time. Like mm -hmm. give me some complicated female characters yes. and dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I, I did love the idea that Rebecca's figurative ghost is kind of, haunting this second mm -hmm. wife like I like this idea that this poor part of the reason this woman is so insecure mm -hmm. is because she's being constantly overshadowed yeah. by this woman and that is one thing I liked about the book is Rebecca is sometimes drawn out as this beautiful mm -hmm. uh, smart witty like the three things what do they say the three things beauty brains and oh there's another b word that she uses in here I know um Oh, gosh. It's a line in the book that I was like, yeah. oh, that's really clever. Um, well, 
I don't know. I get what she's... But anyway, she's kind of the woman everybody's supposed to admire. Mm -hmm. And then you get Maxim's view of her, Mm -hmm. which, again, I'm not quite sure if we're supposed to take that for what it is. Right. Except she is in that relationship with her first cousin, and he seemed off his rocker. And I thought, well, maybe she really was... She clearly was cheating on him, Mm -hmm. on on Maxim, on Mr. DeWinter. Mm -hmm. Like, she clearly was cheating on him. She clearly had no... Um, respect for marriage, her mm-hmm. marriage. What do you think? This is a thought that kind of has plugged me. You know, when Mr. DeWinters is explaining to the narrator what happened to his wife, what really happened mm-hmm. to Rebecca, and he says, um, She told me things right after we got married that I swore I would never tell another person. Like things she had done. Right. What? We never find out what they I know. were. What? And I'm not saying I have to know, but I would like to speculate. <laughs> what, what do you think she possibly had confessed to that made him basically be blackmailed into staying married to her? I mean, I don't like maybe I don't like that's the thing. Like maybe she had done some really shady things to like the men that she'd been with, like yeah. with prior. Maybe she told him that she was in love with Mrs. Danvers, and like <laughs> we just. <laughs> I just was like, gosh, what could she possibly have said? Yeah. That would make him risk his estate. Mm-hmm. That would make him... Because clearly, for all his flaws, he cared about Manderley. Right. He didn't want it falling into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Um, which it did sound beautiful. Yeah. I really wanted to go through the field of azaleas. I know. Sounded delight- delightful. Um, and to the cove. Yeah. Wait. So, real quick. I do have a question about when the first cousin... When, like, What's whenever... his name again? Revel? Re- Ravel? Re- oh, mm-hmm. gosh. I literally just read it. Same. Favel? It's a name. Okay, sure. Go on. Um, but whenever he, like, he's, like, trying to prove that he had this relationship with Rebecca, and so he calls, like, they call him the idiot, which I don't even know if that's, like, appropriate. Just, like, it is no longer appropriate. Yeah, right? I was like, like, I was it like, felt like we were reading about um, Boo Radley. Like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I should, like, How long should we keep calling this man the idiot? Right. And, but yeah, so, like, whenever he, like, calls on him, and, like, and, like, somebody makes the point, like, he's not a reliable witness, and it's, like, so funny, because, like, like, because the cousin tries to pay him to be like, say that you yes. saw us. And it's so funny because the whole time I was thinking, why does this feel so familiar to now where we think we can, like, we can use, like, someone who's not a credible witness so we can, you know, like, all <laughs> Oh, we... I don't know. Modern culture. Right. I was like, oh. I was like, the I... news. Yes. I was like, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This was a hard year to read Rebecca. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And, and I don't say that diminishing oh, no. how many people love it. Mm-hmm. And... I think while reading it, I was sad that I hadn't read it before mm-hmm. because I think there are so many scenes and characters that remind me of scenes and characters I've read. And it was like an aha moment of, oh, well, this is where Gillian Flynn got that. Or yes. this is where um, Claire Fuller got this. Or mm-hmm. this is where the women in Tangerine, their tension comes from. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Daphne du Maurier probably paved the way for that. Yes. Um, but... The male-female dynamics in this book were hard to read. Mm-hmm. What did you think about Frank? Frank. Oh, that was the, the not the butler, but like kind of the, like the assistant. He was yeah. just around all the time. I thought he, it's so funny because like I thought he was fine, but like it just like like he didn't really. I'm trying to remember. There was a point where I like started to think more about him, and it was probably whenever because he has to drive her home. Whenever. He drives her home when she almost faints. And I will say, I like I always want. I wondered. I was like, is this. I don't, I don't understand male dynamics. 
<laughs> and so I was like, why are you so loyal to this man? Because he seems like a creeper. I don't understand the loyalty exactly, except, mm-hmm. I guess, paycheck. Right. But I really, maybe this is my little romantic heart, but I thought, please leave Max, Maxim, mm-hmm. and please date Frank, because the two of you seem just dull enough to be well-suited. Yes. No, yeah, I, no, I agree with <laughs> like, that. You just seem so sweet and passive. Yeah. And, and, um... Naive is that yeah. the word I'm looking There's for? There's a little kindling. There. Yeah. Was, yeah, and I was here for it. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's a relationship I could kind of get behind. Yeah. But I think that maybe, like, maybe, like that was maybe the whole point of this is that like everything's supposed to be toxic, including the relationship, because this is like a thriller. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I had such a hard time too. I found it really hard to believe that the wait staff at Manderley would not have been aware of the issues between. Mr. DeWinter right. and his first wife. Like, I mean, like, how secretive can you be? Like, there's gotta be... She's living there. down at the boathouse half right. the time. Like, she's not just a free Which, spirit. <laughs> the whole, like, let me just say, like, the whole, like, Carolyn, Caroline DeWinter... Um, like the, she? the, She's, like, the costume that, like, when she dresses oh, the costume. Oh, my gosh. That scene... I was, it's so funny, because I kept thinking, I was like, Does, is no one going to tell her? Is no one, like, I, I knew something was up, but I was like. What I want to know is why Mrs. Danvers did that. She facilitated mean. that. She, but, but give me a, I want to know why you're mean. I want to know, I don't, I want to know what makes you tick. I think she wanted to pun. I think she knew, deep down, that Maxim was not good to Rebecca. Uh-huh. And I think that she thought this will be the thing that really gets to him. Uh-huh. Is, is like, to think his wife has come back to life, essentially. Yes. yes. Interesting. What about the relationship between Mrs. Danvers? There are just so many things I want to talk about. The relationship <laughs> between Mrs. Danvers and the the um, the, the cousin. Yeah, what was with that? Like, that I, was weird. Like, he had yeah. been to the house. There were just so many things. And maybe this is just one of those classic mystery things where it's kind of red herrings. Do yes. you know what I mean? I felt like there mm-hmm. were a lot of little scenes where I thought, is this going to turn into something? Is yeah. this going to turn into... And then some things really never did. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was her leaving loose ends. I think it was her leading me down a path mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah. And then I was stranded there and realized I had gotten confused. Mm-hmm. No. Um, were yeah. you shocked by Mr. DeWinter's confession? No. Um, but also... Like I said, the death of Mrs. Westaway, like, yeah. it really is so similar to this that I, like, as I was, like, listening, I was like, this seems like something I've read. And I yeah. I picked up, like, halfway. It's so, actually, it's really funny because um, when, whenever, like, everything was, they were in the east wing or whatever, the other wing, mm-hmm. and Where, it was away from the ocean. Yes. And then whenever he didn't want to go over there, I literally thought, I was like, oh, he probably killed her. Yeah. And, like, that was a brief thought. But then, like, whenever I got closer, I was like, oh, he probably did kill her. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be shocking because it actually occurs, his confession occurs earlier than I would have thought. Like, it's not given to us in, like, a final page-turning moment. It's kind of three-quarters of the way through. Mm -hmm. Like, you still have, I think, a good little chunk of novel left to kind of, I guess, deal with the repercussions of that confession. Mm -hmm. But the confession itself didn't feel like the climactic, shocking moment. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most shocking moments was the dress scene. Yes. Um, and the party. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, the trial or whatever, the hearing they yeah. have, I, was weirdly more intense, I think, than I... I agree. Than I think his confession wound up being. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because you and I were coming off of books that were modern retellings right. or, or modern translations of this kind of thing mm-hmm. um, modern storylines um, or if or if that was her intent I'm mm-hmm. not sure okay so Hunter there's only two of us <laughs> love it or loathe it 
I'm going to say that despite, like, all odds really kind of working against this novel, I did love it. I can't decide. Because I liked it. I, do, I did not... Like... I, I loathed the first half, truly. Yeah, I really yeah. did. And I think... Unfortunately, that's partly because of what I had just read. Mm-hmm. But I also think I really drowned in the language a little bit. Yeah. Um, but but I but I don't know that I loathed. I certainly thing. don't think I loathed the whole thing. Yeah. You can't loathe a book like this, I don't think, because you see how much it has influenced. I love the genre yeah. of suspense and thriller, and this yeah. I think is one of the bases of that genre. So yeah. I can't loathe it. Um, Loving it feels like a stretch. That is a stretch. Like, I love, I, I have to choose love over loathe, though, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I definitely would choose love over loathe. I will say, very glad to have it in my repertoire now. Yes. Um, I am so curious, the people in my life, and there are many, for whom this is their favorite book. Yeah. I am intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, you know how, um, <laughs> I believe it was Kathleen Kelly <laughs> who said a book we read when we're young really has the power to mm-hmm. influence us. Like, I wonder if I'd read this younger, if I would have felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think one of my bookstore owner friends, this is her favorite book. Yeah. She, I think she might even read it every year. Mm-hmm. I am not going to read this again. Oh, no. No. <laughs> it's like, I don't, Wait, I do have a question about, if you had to choose, like, a favorite book that was inspired by this, what do you think it would be that you can, like, that you can recall? Um... I really do, I have so many friends who hated Gone Girl, but I really thought Gone Girl was excellent, and I felt themes of this. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rebecca and Amy mm-hmm. are very similar. Yeah. So I'd have to say Gone Girl. Weirdly, I really did like The Winters, and I think I liked it because at the time I thought it was just this original. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I would have loved it as much if I had mm-hmm. read it after Rebecca. Yeah. Um, but and people are gonna be like, "Wow, Annie, you must have loved that book." I did <laughs> because at the time I thought I was <laughs> reading something like yeah. totally its own. And I will say, the author of the Winters does some things with Rebecca mm-hmm. that make it both extremely compelling for 2018 mm-hmm. and more palatable for 2018. Yeah. Because you are correct, there are some things in here that were a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to read that one because it sounds really good. I, I think you should. Yeah. I think you should, especially yeah. in light of this. So I'm very glad to have read it. Yeah. I will not reread it. No. Um, and I liked it. I know we're supposed to choose love it or loathe. So I guess if I had if I had to choose, I would mm-hmm. say love yeah. with caveats. Yes. I think this would make would have made actually a beautiful novella. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that we needed as much exposition as we got. No. I will say, if I had to choose a book that was, like, inspired by this, yeah. I would choose Social Creature. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. We just sold that to somebody this week, and that book is dark. Somebody Instagram messaged me. I don't know if they're a <laughs> podcast listener or not, but they were like, um, listen, I'm reading this at the doctor's office, and I am uncomfortable. And I was like, I did not, I did not approve that you should read that book in public. Yeah. I read that in, in a hotel room, and that yeah. is where that book should be read. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, but, like, I, I definitely, I, I think that, yeah, that's... Especially if we ever got, like, a Rebecca and the unnamed narrator story. Yes. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. to me, that's what social creature for sure. It really is. Yeah, feels like oh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Well, I loved talking about it. Same. Thank you, as usual. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Glad I wasn't kicked off. 
production of The Bookshelf. It is produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. Our theme music is provided by Forlorn Strangers. You can find more about Forlorn Strangers on their website and get a full um, catalog of their music. You can find copies of Rebecca, both in-store at The Bookshelf and online at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.